Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Shlomo Buxbaum here. I'm so happy that you are here for another great episode where we speak about all things related to parenting. So if you are a parent or an educator or you plan one day, hope one day to be a parent or educator or really anyone who's in any sort of relationship, there is so much wisdom in our episode today, my guest today is a parenting coach, a parenting expert, certainly someone who's built an incredible platform on Instagram, an incredible coaching practice, who's developed courses. Her name is Blimi Heller, and we had a wonderful, wonderful conversation with her, Devora Buxbaum, my wife, who is also a parenting expert, at least she certainly is a parenting expert in my home. She joins us as well for this conversation, and we discuss so many, so many important things. I, I was really happy to have this conversation. We haven't discussed parenting in a podcast in a while, and um, we like to discuss everything. What does it mean to be an empowered Jew? And our last interview that we had, we spoke about the Kabbalah of Tubishvat. It was very esoteric, but you know, you can be a Kabbalist, you can be a mystic, but you also need to be a great parent in the home. So this podcast was a great opportunity for me to really look inward, think about myself as a father. We have six beautiful children. Our parenting is always evolving. It is constant effort. Um, we discuss all the time, Tavora and I, we discuss how to be better parents, how to properly tailor our parenting to each child. So having this opportunity to speak to Blimi, it kind of at some points became like a, like our own little personal uh, coaching session. But I think that if you're a parent, I hope that you'll find that lots of the things that we're experiencing in our own parenting may be things that are relevant to you as well. We discuss a lot of what it means to be a relationship-driven parent lots of us uh, we learn parenting as if it's you know a certain like like a science like this happens do this this is right this is wrong and what Blimi shared with us is just how to be authentic how to be us how to find our own parenting style how to do trial and error um, things like uh, reward and consequence which is just seems to be like a given Blimi pushes back on it and shares with us when rewarding consequence might be helpful and when it might be damaging. So we do, it's very, very practical. I really think that there's so much to be gained from this conversation. And if you're a parent, I think you'll really enjoy, want to hear from you after you hear the podcast. If you don't mind, send me an email, shlomabuxbam at gmail.com or send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, or any other social media platform that I'm probably on. Send me a message, whether you enjoyed it, and uh, what you felt about it, and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. Also, please allow me to take a moment before we begin to ask you if you haven't yet listened to the last podcast, last week's podcast that I posted, which was a sneak peek at my new book. Can you go back after this episode and give a listen to that one? As I mentioned, I have a new book coming out in just a couple of weeks. It's called The Four Elements of Inner Freedom. It's out just in time to get you ready for Pesach. It is a whole new look at the story of the Exodus and how it relates to our own personal life based on ancient texts, based on the words of Chazal, our sages, based on the mystics, based on Hasidut, Hasidus. It's very special for me and very meaningful for me to have written this book and that it's being released right now before Pesach. And you can get a sneak peek at what it's all about if you go back to the last episode. So I hope that you listen. The book is available for pre-order. It will be in bookstores very, very soon. So um, pick it up and enjoy it. 
and let me know how you like it. So we have a great episode. Bleed me heller, Dvara Buxbaum. Here we go. This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, and how to live a more empowered life. This episode is sponsored by OKClarity.com, the place for any Jew to find a top-notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or nutritionist, and it's completely free. And I'll tell you a little bit more about OKClarity a little bit later on in this episode. This is a great pleasure to have on the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, Blimey Heller. Welcome to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I want to begin. I'm here too. Hi, everybody. By welcoming <laughs> the most important, most important co-host. That was a very Buxbaum. good pivot. <laughs> that was a good shift. <laughs> so welcome. And I also want to begin by saying the following. All of the listeners, if I, if I haven't said this on the podcast before, you know that all of the guests that we bring on are very pivotal, very crucial in my own personal growth. And really, like I think that the, the listeners could track like what I'm working on through the guests that I bring on. It's really my own personal journey shared with you know whoever wants to give the time to listen. So in full disclosure, I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't read a lot about parenting. Not for any good reason. We work on our parenting a lot. Like Dvar and I, like we talk about, we every single week we speak about like how we're doing. I think about it tons, but I don't actually read about it or like engage in a lot of content. I don't know why. I wonder if it's like a guy thing. Like maybe it's like more of a dad thing. Yeah, because like full disclosure, I'm all about the books. Like, Dvar's always reading. And, and yeah, I'm like, who do we have to bring on next? Like, we have to bring Bleemy Heller on. And I'm like, yeah, of course I knew who you were, but I, I haven't necessarily engaged with your content. So this is, so for me, the preparation of to to get to this point to have you and to listen and to engage with your content in just in preparation was very meaningful for me to be able to get to this space. And interestingly enough, in researching you, I've actually found that a lot of your conversations were with other women. It's kind of like I feel like I'm like in the lady section now, you know. But I'm wondering if you find is this like a guy girl is this a mom dad thing that typically women are quicker to invest themselves and engage and work on their parenting by consuming content i'm just curious what you have to say about that yeah so definitely like from what i see and from my experience and also hearing from other you know coaches or therapists yeah they will say that women primarily are the ones who are often more interested in hearing about parenting and consuming content about parenting and fathers tend to be less so even though there are plenty of fathers who are interested and there are people who I do have some conversations with men about this but yes it's usually dominated by women and I'm not exactly sure why I actually find myself being curious to ask you why that is you know like I and maybe you don't even like you said you don't even know yourself but I was finding myself being curious about uh yeah I wonder what it is for you and I'm sure it's different for every person for every man guy um but that is usually what we find so you believe me. Okay, so let's get to you a little bit. So you are you have this you built a beautiful, beautiful platform, online platform court, uh, courses, your um, handle is called um, unconditional parenting. And I want to hear all about it. But I guess the place that I'd like to start is as a parenting coach. Can you give us the state of the union? Like, what are you seeing right now? What does parenting look like today? What are the what are the overall feeling, the sense? Because a lot of times things with parenting, with marriage, with other things, people feel like very alone, you know, like 
I'm doing everything wrong and everyone else has it right. So what do you get the sense of like, what is the state of the union of parenting that people are coming to you and that they're so intrigued with your content? Yeah. So, well, obviously every person is unique and every person comes from a different place and a different angle. But what I do find is that most of the people are coming from a place of, I don't love the way I was raised. Not that I'm mad at my parents or I hate them, but I don't love the way I was raised and I want to do it differently for my children, but I'm not necessarily sure how or what, how to create that or what it is that I'm looking that's different. And a lot of times what I share deeply resonates with them. Like that's what I would have wanted when I was a child. That would have really spoken to me. That's what I craved. That's what it really would have helped me. And so I think that's a lot. I see a lot of that. So you think you say that many, many adults don't like how they were raised in what sense, in what way? Um, I think the biggest theme probably is that that relationship, the parent-child relationship wasn't really a big focal point growing, like for us growing up, meaning parents were more concerned about making sure that we did the right thing, that we knew right from wrong, that we had a strong sense of discipline or whatever. And the relationship usually wasn't the most important thing and neither were emotions, emotions were really sidelines. Now, again, I'm talking about a very general, there's some parents who weren't like that at all, but emotions usually were not really dealt with in the way that we wish they would have been. And sometimes, you know, hearing what I share, it's like, oh, that, that's it so much better with me. That, that seems so much more aligned or more integrated or wholesome. So when you say the relationship wasn't there, you know, just to just to really uh, qualify that, uh, obviously, right, exactly. you know, when you repeated it back to me, I'm like, well, of course, there was a relationship. Yeah, yeah, right. No, and 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 again, you know, we dance between just you know our our children. We have six children. Our eldest is sixteen. Our youngest is three. Um, and um, you know, I'd say relationships. You know, I, I think that that most parents want want to have the, they they yearn to have that relationship. Um, and then there's also like this thing this line this this that, that's out there and that is you know your parents not supposed to be your friend you know that whole thing um so what what do you mean when you say that uh, it, it wasn't relationship driven parenting yeah exactly that's 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 very good way of putting it it wasn't relationship driven yeah meaning that the relationship was almost like it was almost um taken for granted in a way like obviously we ever have a relationship I'm your parent you're my child like you know and not really we were they it wasn't people didn't focus so much on that relationships need to be cultivated and relationships require trust and they require care and so many times the trust was eroded between parent and child because of the way the parent parented because of what they thought they needed to do. And, and so children then end up not trusting their parents so much or don't end up feeling so close or as connected um, because yeah, relationships at the end of the day really are uh, a result of what we put in them or how we navigate it or how we interact with our children. It's not just like, oh, because we're parent and child and it, obviously we're gonna have a close relationship. That's not really how it works. Yeah. Mm. My daughter came home recently from, she was with a bunch of friends and you know, we started talking and I don't know, she felt the need to say, she, it was, she said it was, it was on a Friday night and she was sitting with me on the couch and she turned to me and she said, you know, we were just talking, I was talking with my friends and you should just know, like, most of my friends have a really bad relationship with their parents. It's like, really? Like, that is terrible. It's terrible news, yeah. you know, but yeah, I, I, I guess that's real. And then I guess, you know, the question Very is real. like. Yeah, the question is, 
is and Dora, you've found that also. I think that you know, and with so your it's interesting, work with yeah, because I do I do a lot of work with teens. Um, I run a, a travel camp in the summer, and um, for any of my campers who are listening to this, I am not talking about you, but but it just it does come up, you know, it it comes up that that people they do they really struggle with the relationship with their parents. Yes, I see it a lot with the girls. Yeah, right. So you see, so it's it's not something that we can just take for granted. It is something that needs to be cultivated. And it does take parents really having a level of attunement, sensitivity, um, and respect for their children that sometimes they, and again, through no fault of their own, they just don't recognize that like, oh, this is important, or I need to do this, or oh, there's a different way to navigate this with my child. I think it's so, it, because as parents, we carry so much responsibility, you know, yes. like, setting our children up for success. Oh, the weight of that responsibility can be yeah. crushing, right? It's like to set them up for success and make sure that they have the skills and that they, they're, you know, a contributing member of society and that they know how to have healthy relationships. It, it can feel so crushing and that can really make us very hyper-focused on like, you can't do this and you need to do that. I need to make sure that you're safe and I need to make sure you're doing this. And all that can really get in the way of cultivating that trust and respect um, between a parent and child. Absolutely. To the point that I wonder what you would tell the parent that would push back and mm. say, well, one second, who, who prove, not prove to me, but explain to me really, why is this relationship so important? I, I think that my main goal in parenting is to make sure that I have a, I'm preparing my child for success. You know, I need to give them the proper structure so that they can be successful as an adult, good people, good Jews, you know, within the Jewish relationship, you know, I would love to have that. And, you know, if it happens, but that's secondary, would you agree to, to that or disagree? Absolutely disagree. Completely disagree. And I think, but I do believe there are many people who do believe that. And I believe the older generation for sure. I don't know if they believe that, but that's definitely how they operated, you know? And so what I would say, oh, I have so much to say about relationship, but the most, really the most important thing I would say about relationship is that all studies and research and there's so many studies on this like following people throughout their lifetime all studies come back to that relationships and again healthy relationships not relationships that hurt you are the cornerstone of mental emotional and physical health dr bessel van der kolk he's a dutch psychiatrist he has a quote and i love saying it and he says the parent-child relationship is the most powerful the parent-child connection is the most powerful mental health intervention known to mankind. Wow. Say that again. <sighs> the parent-child connection is the most powerful mental health intervention known to mankind, right? I it's like- that. Also uh, say the name again, because you said it and it sounded like a bunch of sounds coming out and I'm like trying to- like, Dutch. <laughs> What did you say? Say the name again. Bessel, Bessel, I don't know. Van der Kolk. Okay. That's his last name. Van oh, der I actually Kolk. do know that last name. I actually do recognize that last name, Van der Kolk. Yeah. I believe he wrote the book with the body keeps the score. Oh, yeah, he that is where I know it. I, I think you're called. right. Yes, yeah. that is him. Mm -hmm. There wow. we go again. All... Okay, fourth podcast that the body keeps the score exactly. has been mentioned on. That book keeps on coming up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Lord, I... Please read the book and tell me what it says. <laughs> 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 yeah so so it's really really the cornerstone and like i i listen to things i just listened to another conversation that, that a harvard professor on my jli he was talking and he said you know we we have a ton of students in there were a ton of studies done with students in harvard and we we studied what contributed to students being successful in life and doing well and okay what do you think it was what do you think it was and of course what was the answer 
having one person in your life who you can rely on, mm -hmm. who you can be open with and vulnerable with. It always comes down to relationship. There's another study that they've done with people following them throughout their entire life. They wanted to see what makes people happy. What is the thing that makes people happy? This study has been going on, I think, for like 90 years already. Um, there's, a, there's a TED Talk on YouTube with a guy who's basically part of this experiment. And what they have found, no matter which socioeconomic background people came from, what kind of circumstances they had in their life, whether they were poor or rich or whatever, what, what made people happy and healthy? Uh, well, they were looking for happiness, but I'll tell you what they found. It was relationships. It was the quality of their relationships in their life. And they also found that it impacted their, not only their emotional health, but their physical health. And they don't know why, but their theory is, is that it decreases stress in the body. So life is stressful, right? Life is full of up and down, but we have a relationship with somebody else, a connected relationship, a vulnerable relationship, then that immediately decreases that stress in our body because we have that support. So they believe in that, that helps our, all our systems, our cardiovascular nervous systems, et cetera, which promotes physical health. Right. So, so that's why I would say relationship is the most important thing. I think that it's the cornerstone of helping your child be a successful person. Like we can't talk about anything else if we're not first having that essential piece there yeah. i see it as almost the vessel for which to transfer transmit values to your children the vessel through which to help your child like we could it's, it's the foundation and then you build on that awesome and i hear you defining now relationships as the ability to be open and vulnerable that that is the 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 measuring stick the metric for not really that's what I'm gonna ask, actually like what how do you do like what is the definition of relationship and what what is the measuring stick yeah. So there's so many different ways to measure it, but I think that I would measure it by with trust, how much you can trust the other person to um, welcome your honesty, to welcome your vulnerability, to not hurt you, to, to protect you, to stand by you. Right. So it's really measured by through trust and the trust is built by the experience, repeated experience of the person caring for your needs and considering your needs and, and needs is a whole separate topic. And that's a huge, mm -hmm. this is Dr. Marshall Rosenberg, really. He, he created something called nonviolent communication. And I really, he hates, hated the term. And I also hate the term because as soon as people hear nonviolent communication, a lot of them feel like, wait, is my, is my communication violent? Like, right. or is this about bullying? But it, it's, it's it really, it's about, oh, it's about so many things, but it's really about understanding that all human beings have needs and they're universal. Meaning you and I, all of us have the same exact needs and all of us, every single behavior that we engage in, we're always trying to meet needs and that the way to care for, uh, well, there's so much to say here. I can go into so much more depth, but the way to really cultivate and create relationships and connection with other people is to care for and consider their needs and not to like, you know, violate their needs or, or, or not consider their needs or completely like, you know, trample over their needs. So what are the things that you're finding that parents have been doing, even though they, they want the quote unquote relationship, mm. but the things that, that the traps that we fall into that create this barrier, because I, I would say, and again, I, you know, we have a beautiful relationship, but just going back to what my daughter said, you know, that most of the kids don't feel, I, I can certainly see even kids that love their parents would say, well, I don't know that I would be open and vulnerable you know, with my parents. I'm curious, what are the things that you find that parents do to block that? Mm, so many things. So, okay. 
with emotions, right? Our children, all of us experience unpleasant and pleasant emotions all of the time. Life is full of just unpleasant, pleasant, unpleasant, pleasant. And what happens is, and this is a lot of because of our own experience growing up and because of the way we were raised. And again, no blame on anybody, even on the people who raised us. But unpleasant emotions are very unwelcome. It's like as soon as an unpleasant emotion emotion comes up, like anger, disappointment, sadness, um, frustration, whatever, there's immediately from the parents a sense of wanting to shut it down. Or some parents actually go into rescuing it, like, oh, I'm going to fix it and I'm going to solve it. I'm going to make it go away. And but really, we're talking about, let's say, not being vulnerable. And what that creates is that the child then, if the parent shuts it down or gets upset or really um, in some way, yeah, really reacts and attacks the child for having an unpleasant emotion, the child then learns that it's not really safe for me to express that vulnerable, unpleasant emotion to my parent. They're not here for it. They don't want to hear it. And so a lot of this, what I really advocate for is actually welcoming unpleasant emotions just as much as we welcome the pleasant. Now, again, are we always available to? No, sometimes I have zero patience to listen to my child's complaint or whatever it is. But as as a general theme to welcome the unpleasant as much as we welcome the pleasant. Mm -hmm. I think that's really well said. And I think sometimes it just feels like the emotions, like the child might feel like, well, this emotion is too much, you know, it's just too much for my parent to handle, or they just, like you say, shut down. But sometimes it's just, you know, it just feels like, ah, you know, I don't want to welcome that. I want to try to fix that. And so, and I have found even within my own parenting, you know, style in the last, I don't know, the last few years, I feel like this has been a big trend in like letting that emotion just be, you know, whether it be extreme frustration, we have a certain child who just seems to get like very, 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 very uptight and about things that we might think are really, really petty, but to him, it's a really big deal. And I think that recently just learning to like allow for that space and not just try to exactly like you're saying, like shut it down has been a big shift. Yeah. And I want to say a word on, I love that, by the way, that you, you, you're doing that. And it's more than just relationship and that the child and you're cultivating like an acceptance for their emotions. It's actually for emotional health. It's so good for us to simply just allow our unpleasant emotions to be Um, emotions move. And when we welcome them, they just move on to something else. That's what we're, they were designed to do. But I wanted to say, yeah, now when you were saying this, there are actually some parents who rescue their children's emotions, uh, right? They're like, I'll fix it, I'll save it. And I now remember, I actually have a, had a client who told me that that's what her mother did growing up. Her parents, actually, both of them did. Like, she would come home and have something sad or something unhappy. Oh, well, let's go out for ice cream or, well, you know, just constantly fixing it. And she said she also, add now as an adult, first of all, she feels like she can't handle any of her emotions. She doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. But also she feels like she can't either share her emotions with her parent because what happens as soon as she shares an unpleasant emotion, her parent goes straight into fixing. And she's like, just hear me. Right. I don't need you to fix it. Just listen. But she mm-hmm. doesn't, she knows that her parent's going to go straight into fixing. So she doesn't even feel like she wants to share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think now I, I, I wonder, like, I feel like naturally, like really naturally, it could be that that's what a parent does. It, and that was actually one of my questions I wanted to ask is like, how much of this is like intuitive versus like mm. learned? You know what I'm saying? Like with parenting, mm. what do you find? Yeah, I mean, obviously I don't really know, but my guess is that it's learned. And I'll tell you why, because I do know some children who are raised with parents who are like radically accepting of emotions and just because they've done the work and they've really in that space of like, these emotions are like, whatever it is, it's all the same for them. Like they really come into this space within themselves that it's the same and their children don't have this, you know, like 
uh, this notion of like, oh, let's fix these negative. Like they don't even see it that way. I think it's very deep conditioning. You have to realize from such a tiny, tiny, tiny age, I go shopping all the time and I see mothers with their little babies and I hear all the time, the baby, little children, like, you know, a one-year-old is like, uh -huh, and the parent's like, shh, shh, stop, stop, stop. Cry. Do you want this lolly? Like oh, very quickly going into like, stop, stop. And so from a very young age, we're constantly just like, shh, shh, shh. don't have this unpleasant emotion. Don't cry. Don't be sad. Like there's very little of like, yeah, do you not want to be in the shopping center right now? And you're not enjoying yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. so it's like mm -hmm. such it's from such a young age that we hear this and that we receive this i, I want to jump in and just yeah. take it back just from my, my a little bit of a simplistic dad brain working over here yeah um because typically while i think we all want to be very welcoming of our children's these emotions i think that the 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 struggle over here is that typically these emotions also come along with a behavior that is one that we cannot let continue. So yes. this child that is struggling, I'm like, I will totally like, I'm, I will totally welcome your emotions, but you can't attack your brother because of that. Absolutely. Right. Or, or, you know, the daughter who's getting anxious, like I'll be patient with you, but now you're about to throw a full blown tantrum or the one-year-old that you mentioned. So I think we jump on the behavior because I think we, we have to. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That is a really interesting, you know, to, oh, you're to really 100% yeah, right. Friendship. I love, yeah, I love that you mentioned that because emotions many times create an impulse in the body to behave a certain way. And many times children will then, yes, even adults do act out in certain ways that are not okay and they're not acceptable. And so there's this, you know, this reality of your feelings are okay, your behavior is not. And most of us really struggle with how to navigate that. You know, like I find that some parents just shut down the feeling with the behavior and then some parents welcome the feeling, but also the behavior and then the child gets the message like it's okay. So to, to navigate those two is very, it's very delicate. And the way that I do it is that, well, I try to do it is there's many different ways because in some moments, all I need to, all I can do is focus on the behavior, like stopping the child, making sure they don't do it, making sure everyone's safe. And that's the only thing I can do in that moment. I can't be welcoming the feeling, but mm -hmm. I, as soon as I find, a, a, as soon as everything's under control, like I manage the crisis, then I like to go to like, like, oh, was it that you were so upset because this and this was going on? And so afterwards, or sometimes I find the spaciousness even within the moment to say, I can't let you do that. But is it that you're really frustrated because blah, 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 blah. So there's yeah there's welcoming the feeling but also saying absolutely not to the, no to this behavior got yeah. it, got it. i do i do find myself saying often like i do find myself saying i know you're you know i feel that you're x y and z which is like the emotion but you can't da, 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 da. i i find myself saying that a lot yeah yeah and i don't i don't know if that's the way but i do i do find i don't either know i mean like there's no right way <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's no right way you know it's it's i the only thing that that like struck me as maybe maybe i wouldn't want to say is the but because it's like, you know, like the sorry, yeah. but you know, when you say like, I'm sorry, I did that, but you were really being mm, annoying, you know? So, right. So the, but sort of sounds like it cancels out what you said in the beginning. So that's sometimes how most of us hear it. We hear the, but as like, that's not really so relevant. Fascinating. Good point. So I like to, yeah. So I like to have them just both exist instead of doing the, but as in like, oh, I see you're really frustrated. I can't let you do that. Like no buts. That's mm. all. Well yeah. said. Good point. Okay. Thank yeah. you. You have a, I know you have a, a very, very large Instagram following. You posted a few days ago. I was just curious about that. You posted um, 
something that really grabbed our attention. <laughs> I so uh -huh. love sharing about parenting, but I don't love the way I've been doing it until now. When I reread many of the posts I've created and shared, they land in my body in a way that creates constriction and feels judgmental or doesn't care for parents as much as I'd like to. I'd like it to, yeah. I'd like it to, sorry. And and you you wrote a little bit more. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I was just yeah. curious what 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 you were trying to say and what this means for those of us who you have followed you. Yeah, yeah. So I love that you're asking this question because it's so alive in me right now. And I love that you're like welcoming that. So um, I have been, I constantly do my own work around these ideas that I keep talking about because I want to keep moving in this direction of like welcoming feelings and understanding needs and being compassionate to all human beings, not only my children. And the more and more I'm moving in this direction, the more and more I read some of my old posts and they really do land as like, I don't know if that's helpful to parents. Like, I don't know if I like the way I, I said that. Like, I don't know if it's helpful for a parent to hear like, this is right and this is wrong or this is how you should do it. And this and first of all, who am I to say what's right and wrong? I don't really know. And I really try not to post in that kind of way, but sometimes it yeah. does sound like that. And, and also sometimes it doesn't include enough of the parent's own experience. Like, if we only talk, we talk about, oh, you know, welcome your child's unpleasant feelings. I kept, I keep saying that here even, but what about the parents? What about the parents' unpleasant feelings? When my child's experiencing an unpleasant emotion, you better bet that I'm also experiencing unpleasant emotions. Like, oh my gosh, this is so uncomfortable. If I've never experienced being with my own feelings or, or oh my gosh, I don't have time for this, or I'm overwhelmed, or when is this going to be over? Or I'm afraid that my child's afraid, whatever it is, something's going on for me too. So what about me? And how do I care for myself in this? And so I'm wanting to include more of like the parents' experience and where they're coming from. And I really also want to share information in a way that allows a parent to, instead of looking to me as like the parenting expert, and I put that in quotes because I don't even know if there's such a thing, but you know, to me as like, I have the answers. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I know what you should do. I don't know. I do have information, but I wanted you to check if it resonates with you. If it resonates with you, that means it speaks to your own inner wisdom that you already have inside that says, yes, this sits well with me. I like this, right? And so I, I yeah, I just want to share in a way that allows parents to really check with themselves more about like, is, I find that a lot of parents who consume my content will, you know, message me and say like, you mentioned this and, and oh my gosh, I need to do that. And, and I noticed myself getting so anxious about it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. And, and they lose themselves. I don't want parents to lose, lose themselves. I want them to stay very connected to themselves. I believe that we each have real inner wisdom. I mean, that's like the part of the divine that's inside of us um, that, that, that really can help us. And you're your child's parent for a reason. Like you are the parent. You're the one who knows this child and what would be best, but not me, right? I have information that if, if it speaks to you, please take it in, but don't outsource your wisdom to me. Right. Can I say something and yeah. please disagree if, I, if if I'm off over here, but yeah. you know, it's interesting. Cause like as a, as a man of the book, as a man, as a rabbi, you know, so it's interesting. Cause like all the time we're, we're asking, we give, you know, marriage, marriage classes and we give parenting classes and people want to hear, you know, this is the, the Torah's perspective on marriage. This is the Torah's perspective on parenting. And the truth is it's, a little tricky because the Torah doesn't like have like a marriage section or a parenting section. The Torah has like a be a good human being section. And the assumption is like, if you're working on yourself as a human being, that will spill over into a positive marriage that will spill over into a positive, you know, parenting. So I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's difficult. It, it's hard to ever isolate parenting 
as being different than marriage. And the truth is, I wonder, like, are there people out there that like they're crushing it? They have this beautiful, amazing, wonderful marriage, but like they're totally striking out as a parent. I don't maybe yes. It's hard for me to imagine. I would imagine those things go together. And therefore I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. And therefore, just, just just one more point on that, and then I'll, I'll let you comment on that, or if you want to comment on that. But I I think that um, there's also an aspect, like what you were saying, I think of authenticity. And I think once a parent starts trying to be something that they're not for the sake of parenting, I think that that comes across as, as inauthentic. And if it's not working with you as a parent, maybe we need to go back to the laboratory and just see how this is resonating with me as a whole human being. I could not agree with you more on every single thing you said. Honestly, so many people who take my parenting course tell me, oh, it actually really just sounds like a, you know, human, how to work, how to be a better human workshop, you know, Um, because ultimately that's really what it is. And I think that, yeah, the more that we do work on ourselves and be a better human, of course, that's going to spill over into our relationships and our parenting. That's really what it's about. And sometimes, sometimes people, you know, read my parenting things. And I think that They'll follow a certain thing and that makes them a better human all, all, all across the board, meaning it can work both ways. But yes, there is such a big point there with inauthenticity. Yes, that a parent will take it and think like, I need to be this way in order to be a good parent. And they're completely inauthentic and nobody benefits from that. Actually, let's go back to relationship. If a relationship is the most important thing, relationship is about two authentic beings connecting to one another. As soon as you're inauthentic, there's no relationship. There's no real connection. So, so that's sort of defeating the whole purpose. And that's what also, yeah, one of my worries is like, uh, by sharing all of this, I'm sort of like detracting from the whole message, really. Like, I think I'm bringing some parents away from what the whole point of all of this really is. Yeah. That's really interesting. So if somebody is on a journey, let's say they become a parent, they're trying to learn, they weren't raised in the best home and they feel like there's been a lot of things and they're trying to become good parents. How do they, when you talk about being authentic, is it like, let me try on this parenting style. Let me try and see how it feels. Like, is that what it looks like? Like, let me try it out and see how it resonates with me and notice my feelings and notice my body like that. It's like, try it on. I think trying it on could for sure be a part of it. Yeah. I think it's about combining like your own, like I said, your own wisdom or your own way of being with what you've learned, not just taking what you've learned and being like, let me do that or be that it's combining it with how you function and how you are, you know, like, so uh, I really, really like love when parents, I want every parent to do that. So for example, let's say they hear from me that, um, when your child, uh, has a hard time, you know, welcome their emotion, but this parent is a, in a place in their life where they really struggle to do that. And they really cannot. And if they would try to welcome it, it would be completely inauthentic, completely fake because they're inside of themselves. They're freaking out and they're thinking like, what is wrong with you? Why do you have such a hard time with things? And the parents, so the parent can't welcome it. It's a fit. It's fake. And so nothing there is happening of value. And so I'd much prefer if a parent like that recognizes like, actually, I'm not in a place to do that yet. Like, let me first go to therapy or have a coach or just maybe welcome my own feelings when my children are having a hard time. Just be there for myself and try to be like, oh, I'm having such a hard time with this. I'm worried about this. I'm I'm worried about that. Whatever it is, a parent needs to combine that with where they are right now and also with their personality and how they function. Like, I remember when I first started out as a parent, you know, I saw parenting advice of like, you know, uh, children need structure. So put certain charts around your house and follow it exactly. So that your children have structure. Guess what? It's not my personality type at all to do that. And that's not the sort of structure that I'm able to create. My structure is much more fluid. There's still a rhythm. There still is structure, but it's just a different kind of structure. And I need to tune into myself and see how it works for me and integrate it in my parenting in a way that works for me. 
and my children, not just because somebody else said. Let's take a quick break from this conversation to talk about OKClarity.com. OKClarity.com is the place for any Jew to find a top-notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or nutritionist, and it is completely free. OKClarity.com's professionals are vetted and have extensive experience working with the Jewish community. If you're in the marketplace for a therapist, coach, nutritionist, psychiatrist, or the like, or if you are a therapist, coach, psychiatric medication provider, or nutritionist, you must go check them out at OKClarity.com. Also, if you have WhatsApp, OK Clarity has an amazing WhatsApp status or groups with thousands of obsessed followers. Their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health, and they post great humor, so you'll laugh too. We'll put the links to their website and WhatsApp in the show notes. Smash those links. You won't regret it. I had uh, two weeks ago, it's an interesting experience. I was okay that I shared this on the podcast. A certain publisher sent me a book as a potential guest on, on a podcast who had written a beautiful, beautiful book on how to speak to your um, your young tween sons who are developing, you know, in their body and and discovering sexuality, you know, how to properly speak to them. And, you know, just being set, it's always hard to bring these things up. But here, this is a perfect opportunity, because here I can say, hey, you know, I just got this book. So anyway, so it was a great springboard for me to, you know, speak to him about these things. So I sat down and there actually is a script. So I'm like, you know, this is really like, can't ask for anything easier than this. Just, you know, read the script. <laughs> I started reading from the script awkward city and then at some point i'm looking i'm like there's a and i'm like you know what the heck with it <laughs> i'm just like i'm just going all out shlomo Buxbaum on this one and uh and and it was like it was great it was like just a wonderful you know positive experience i might have again i didn't like go back to the text afterwards and be like i probably totally messed this one up maybe i did maybe i didn't i don't know but the point is that it was definitely a relationship bonding and fun conversation to have without any of the awkwardness you know exactly that is such a good example script i put so many scripts out because i'm trying to show with different examples yeah and if a parent just takes that and thinks like this is the right way to do it I'm sure what you did with your son was much more right than any script could have ever been. Like, you're like, I didn't go back to check and see if it was right. Guess what? Who said the script is right? <laughs> right. But just by the fact that the relationship was the focal point with you and him, that he felt the sense of like, that you're comfortable with it and you're okay in your body. Like that's what was transmitted to him. And that is the most important thing to me. And so I don't think there's anything you could have done wrong. Like it's, even if maybe you slipped and you said something that wasn't whatever, there's always room for him to also come back and clarify with you. Like conversations are never over, over with our children, you know? So yeah, I think that exactly, that is such a good example how our authenticity is so much more important than any script. And I don't want any parent to ever get stuck in like, but you said, I love what you said. You're like, it's so easy. I think that's why people are drawn to it. Cause they're like, oh, you told me how to do it. This is so helpful because I feel so incompetent as a parent and so not confident. And so if I just have the script, no, I would much rather you fumble and mumble and actually access your own honesty and your own authenticity in what you're doing. That's really well said. So I have a very interesting question about this. And I guess it, it's a question regarding the parenting and marriage perspective, because if we really are talking about like being authentic and it working, so what happens? Cause we, I, I really do like to believe that it's really the best when parents are on the same page, but what happens if my authentic self is very different than my spouse's authentic self. And if in that parenting style that I think is so right, does not feel authentic to my spouse. 
Yes. And this is so real and so common for so many parents. And I, I especially for the ones that the dads are not doing their homework, you know. <laughs> Going back to that. Yeah. So, so many times, you know, and I think that by the way, by design, I think Hashem really, the masculine and the feminine are very different ways of functioning and being. And that's how it's supposed to be. A mother is all about process, all about nurturance. She's much more about, like I said, process and just uh, uh, not about results oriented. And a father is about that. That's the masculine mm-hmm. energy. Now, again, of course, women and men both can embody both. And we want them to. We want men to embody their nurturance side when it comes to their children and the part that's, you know, dedicated to the process. And we want women sometimes have to embody the masculine side when they have to get things done and make sure that the kids, you know, get their homework and do go to sleep and whatever it is. Right. Yeah. But so, so I think that there are always going to be differences because you're two different human beings. And I think that this idea that you have to be on the same page can be so detrimental actually, because Mm -hmm. this one, either one of two things happen. Either one parent says, well, my husband or my, okay, let's, let's, we're talking about women, a yeah. woman, okay. Cause I'm a woman. So my husband's not on the same page as me and we have to be on the same page. So either I need to change him or I need to betray myself and not do what I believe is best. Those are the only two options. Honestly, trying to change your spouse, terrible idea. Mm-hmm. You cannot change anybody else. Everybody resists somebody else's control. It always creates more friction. doesn't help anyone. A parent betraying their true self and saying like, and really when it feels right for them to respond to their child in a certain way, and they're not doing that because we have to be on the same page. How sad is that? The parent's losing their authenticity and also parenting in a way that they'll probably regret because I didn't parent in a way that I really wanted to. So for me, actually, I prefer to focus on the idea of a united front, which is very different than being on the same page or similar, but different. I mean, I guess this is just semantics, but I see it, hear it differently. So a united front for me means that we respect each other's differences and we support each other's differences. So what that looks like is let's say I, let's say my child's doing something and I, I generally like to respond in this way. If I'm the one who's navigating that with my child, my husband doesn't step in and undermine me. He doesn't say like, that's not how you do it. Or it doesn't like start taking over. He respects my process. I'm the one who's handling it right now. And if he has something that he wants to include, maybe afterwards, he'll talk to my child about it or whatever. He respects how I do it. And same for me. If my husband navigates something in a certain way where it's like, eh, that's not how I would do it. I respect that he's the one navigating with my child right now. And that's how he wants to do it. And again, if my child feels sad about it or is unhappy, I can always be there to listen to my child afterwards, not in an underway that undermines my husband. Like, not like, oh yeah, that was terrible for talking to do, but more like, yeah, you didn't like that. I hear that. Just welcoming their feelings again. And I can support them without ever, you know, and really also giving them the message that like, I support Tati in this. Like my children have sometimes come to me and said like, but you don't agree with that. You wouldn't do that. Why? So why are you letting Tati do that? And I say, me and Tati are a team and we work together. And this is what Tati believes. And I support him in that. This is what he wants to do. And I support that. I think that's a beautiful message for children to see. I think that really is what we're talking about when we speak about being a united front or a team and our children seeing that we back each other up, even if we disagree. Mm-hmm. This is this is really a fascinating conversation. So I just want to under make sure I'm not misunderstanding. So for for one spouse to go and he, if if a child is feeling maybe frustrated or not heard or whatever it is, for another parent to go and to support that child without belittling the spouse, there's space for that. Absolutely. In in okay. my understanding, yeah, because you're not in any you're not saying my parent, your other parent is right or they're wrong or it's not okay with it or it is okay. You're not even talking about that. You're simply listening to the child's experience of it. Yeah, you mm-hmm. don't like it. Mm, I hear that. That's all. 
disappointed. And again, of course you want to check with your spouse that they're okay with you doing that. Like if a spouse says, I don't like the way you do it, or it seems like you're putting me down when you do that, then you want to listen to them and have a conversation about, so how, in which way would it be supportive to you or whatever, you know, you want to make sure that you are, you, you, yeah, you're, you're both considering each other. Mm-hmm. I, I'd love to speak in the time that we have left. Cause I know that you've discussed in the past, um, your, feelings about the way that we create systems of reward and consequences. And I, and, and I've heard you not say that you're against it, but definitely um, feel that maybe we're, we're not necessarily, you know, barking up the right tree. Is that a term? Barking up the right, barking, barking up yeah, the right I tree. Believe, I think so. Okay. I don't bark, Do not bark. ask me. I'm the queen of making up my own. Not <laughs> no, my own I guess you can bark up idioms. a tree. I have to think about that one. Anyhow, so what, what do you, so let's just speak about um, rewards. To me, I just, I, I imagine that as long as there've been human beings, we've always tried to use external incentives to incentivize things that we don't want to do. And therefore I think, you know, we do it with ourselves, we do it with our kids. Do you have any any and any advice as to the right wrong way to reward anything about it? Yeah, well, again, I, do I know what's right or wrong? I don't know, but yes, but you're definitely right that I am not a huge fan of rewards or consequences. Meaning, but again, there's so much nuance there because sometimes I will employ something that looks very similar to a consequence, but for me, I don't call it a consequence because there's so many other factors that are that make it different. But okay, whatever it is, let's talk about rewards because that's where you're going for a moment. Yes. Okay. We'll get to yeah. consequences. We'll get to that next. Okay. Okay. So so yes. So it is true that human beings sometimes will motivate themselves by giving themselves a reward. However, there's two things to say on that. First of all, if you're doing it to your child, it's very different than you doing it to yourself. You're making that choice. You're, you're saying, I am choosing to do this and in order, and I, I, I so you're somewhat motivated to do it because you want to make sure, you, but I, I know I'm not enough motivated, so I'm going to give myself this reward. With a child, it's manipulation, essentially, because the child's not interested. They're not on board. Now, again, if my child comes to me and says, I really want to do this, can you give me a reward for doing it? That's a different conversation. That's them choosing it. And maybe I'll, I would engage with that. But if you're the one who's saying, I want you to do this, and so I'm going to pull some strings to get you to do it, very, very different. I don't see this. For me, it's completely different. Then there's another point which actually, and I forgot his name now. Oh, he's a, he's a something psychologist. I'm still working on Bessel van der, van der Kolk. Van der Kolk, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> people can look up his work, but he basically looks at like reward and how it impacts people. And so his, he, they researched it really a lot and said, it's actually not, it re- rewards for doing something that you don't want to do actually tend to decrease motivation over time and not increase it. Um, so now for habits, they say it's different, but for anything else, they say, and he explains in there why that happens, but it actually becomes like less interesting to do it and less rewarding it because something like the person associates doing that thing as something terrible and the reward, only the reward is something great. And so the effort becomes even more and more burdensome as you do it, because it's like it even loses its interest because it's only for the reward. And he explains how um, the real way to do it is to actually make the effort itself feel rewarding, like in, to, to connect a good feeling to the effort itself and not to think like, oh, the, then I'll get a reward if I do this effort. So, um, yeah, but there's there's a lot of studies on this. You can look it so up. I mean, we want to combine the not take away the reward, but combine the reward, but also be there with the child to be like, I'm not just going to give you a prize at the end, but I also want to be with you and help you 
understand the value of this and also maybe make it more pleasant as we go along. There you go. Yeah, I would I would take away the reward altogether because there's a lot of downsides to it. It's, what I would do is what I say, positive associations. Create pleasure, pleasantness within the effort. For example, I'll give you a, a very simple example. Let's say chores. I have chores that I want my children to do. There's, the reward is if you do this chore, you'll get this reward, right? So then the chore becomes a dragon because even more of a dragon, more of a dragon, the more reward I give to it. And then it becomes... A I don't want to do anything unless I get a reward versus mm -hmm. the cleaning becomes something enjoyable. Every time we clean, we put on music, we put on a timer, we rush around, everybody does it together and it becomes something that's a pleasant experience. So the effort itself is associated with positivity. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. Got it. What happens when the, when the action is something that like homework or something that they know they don't, you're saying like, they don't want to do it, but it needs to get done and they know it needs to get done. So it's not like we're telling them it needs to get done, meaning like we're manipulating them. It needs to get done and they know it. So how that's a little shift. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very, very tricky with all these things. And I think that for, for me, the, my, my primary way of navigating tricky situations with my children is through collaboration. So that means saying like the homework needs to get done. I know you know that and you really need to do it, but you're struggling with it. How can we work this out so that it works for you? And then if my child comes up with like, okay, if I know I can do this afterwards, that would help me then fine. No problem. Cause then I'm not manipulating okay. my child. Again, I would, I would try not to, 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 to do that because then I think, but again, homework is anyway a drag. So I don't really care. It's like, yeah. whatever. Okay. But so case study, case yeah. study here. Okay. And, and, and do we have a few more minutes? Do you yeah, sure. Okay, fine. Minutes. Okay, so case study here. And I'm sorry for using this podcast as my own personal <laughs> coaching. Hey, it's one of the benefits. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah. Okay. So to me, there are obviously certain activities that are fine in, you know, moderation, but can very, very easily become addictive or, you know, can be become indulgent. Like, let's say, for example, playing video games. Yes. Okay. Or, you know, watching our kids don't don't typically watch, you know, too much movies or things unless, you know, it's a weekend or whatever it is. Right. But let's say they enjoy watching a sports game. Right. So there has to be some some boundaries yeah. around it. Right. You know, Absolutely. so to me, it makes a lot of sense. It's almost killing two birds with one stone. I don't want you to watch games. I want you to play video games all night. I do want you to do your homework. Right. So here. If we have now, we we take this thing that I don't want you to be doing too much of, but I'll turn it into an incentive for you to do, you do this and then you get a little bit of that. So now I've incentivized their homework and I've also minimized the, the amount of time because now I don't necessarily, there's no expectation that I'll always let them play video games. There's no expectation I'll always let them watch, you know, a basketball game. So it's associated with something like, this is something that you have to earn. Yeah. How am I doing? I'm fine with that. I'm really fine with that. I'll tell you why, because homework is not something that like I'm worried about for life that it's going to see anything that like they're going to have to have for life. I don't want to create more of a burden, more of a like negativity surrounding it. And so that's why I don't want to reward. it. I also don't want to make it like an expectation that like, oh, if you help out, you get a reward. No, you don't. We all, everyone helps out because you contribute to the household because you live here. So, but with homework, I don't care <laughs> with homework. It's like, it's just for school. It's just, it's a temporary thing in your life. And I don't know. I don't really care. So yeah, fine. You want the, the, the reward for that. And it incentivizes them. Perfect. I would do the same thing. Right. But I guess my question over here is, is taking something that they enjoy, but it's one of these behaviors like you enjoy it, but you know, it's one of those things that are probably not great for you. They're not going to kill you, 
you know, in moderation, but it's not. So to take that and turn it into a reward for something else, right? Do you see any, any challenge with that? Or should these just be like standalone things? Like don't associate this with this, you know, keep it as its own. I got it. So for example, whereas one parent would say, you can have video games and here are the boundaries. You inc- instead, it's simply used as a reward for something. As an Exactly. Incentive. Exactly. That, I think that's fine. I, I mean, uh, you're saying, is there a downside to that? Because then it's like, I don't know. I, I, I can't right now. I can't think of them, but you would. Well, uh, well, I would say the gonna... pushback, the pushback okay. here is that now a child comes along and says, and this may, may happen. The child will come along and say, you know, you don't really ever give me the stuff that I really want to do. You only use it as a way to get me to do the things that you want me to do. Yes. You'll right. use That's leverage. the pushback. I was just going to say, I was going to say my, my next line before you said that I was going to say, you're going to find out very quickly if there's an issue with it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it, clearly you see, you're seeing something, right? Your child's coming with you is like, yes, you're using it sort of against me or you're like using it as leverage. And I don't like that. And right. so for me, the way I parent is I like to listen to that and say like, hmm, yeah, you don't like that I'm using it as leverage. How would it, like, I'm curious in your ideal fantasy world, how would it be, be- like, how would you wish I would navigate this? And I, I like to listen to what my children, again, not doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but I like to hear it because sometimes actually it's something that I'm more than happy to do. Sometimes it's like, actually, I, I'm totally fine with that. Or sometimes it's, well, maybe we can do that, but tweak it a little bit. But it's just being open to how our children experience it and what they wish for, how they wish it was different and thinking, thinking like, how can I create that maybe in some way? Or is there a way that I can, like maybe your child would just say, I'm okay with you using it as leverage, but I would just wish that you give me time for it also without leverage. Can you do that? Yeah, so you're saying give them the that. space to articulate and, and try to get into their space as to how it's coming across to them exactly your children you know just like i say parents have all the inner wisdom inside children also have all the answers inside of them about what would feel best for them and what would they like to experience and how they would like to experience it doesn't mean that we have to do everything that they say but it just it's such a great way to know how to navigate situations yeah, yeah. we've had we had a similar very similar situation also with like these are all about our boys but like just baseball cards and using them as like you know okay it's like when you you when you x y and z like that's when you know you'll get a baseball card and we were giving them out quite frequently but it felt like a really nice system that we had in place to be able to get them and then one night when I was with them before they were going to bed it became clear like they just want no strings attached they just want me to like hand them baseball cards and I'm like I'm not sure how that feels for me just to be like giving you you know there's Hanukkah there's birthdays there's like occasions but like I'm not sure how that feels but even just giving them the space to say I'm just thinking about this now like after they said that it really was not an issue again like I was like oh okay like I see you just you really just want me to just give you baseball cards you know they just they they said it and now that I'm thinking about it it really wasn't really brought up again like I don't know yeah so there you go I just love how like yeah this is all about just figuring it out as we go and yeah yeah, so we are running short in time. Maybe I could ask you to just in the last couple of minutes, 
there's a lot of parents out there that are trying to figure all this out. And, you know, lots of lots of us are struggling and, you know, we feel like, you know, we're at the end of uh, of, you know, like a Bruce Willis diehard movie, you know, we're just like, you know, torn apart and half of us is bloody. And, you know, we've just been, you know, like it's like the war zone. such a good way to describe parenting. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, because I always use that because I remember as a kid, I always thought it was cool. Like in the beginning of the movie, he was always like cool and polished with like glasses on, you know, and then like a button down shirt. And by the end of the movie like he was like missing limbs and things like that you know yeah. and then like but the next movie is back to the so <laughs> so what do you say you know again the parent comes in and just give me chizuk right give me the strength give me strength that where i am right now that it's all going to be okay that i can do it you know end with this positive message just speaking out to all of the parents that are drowning yeah <laughs> First of all, I love that you're acknowledging that parenting is so hard and does so often feel like we're drowning because <laughs> I'm missing limbs, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that there's part, part, partly I want to just like really like for a parent to welcome that. And so, like I said, you know, I'm all about welcoming the unpleasant feelings instead of being like, I'm going to do it and it's fine. And, and yes, that's great. But taking a moment to just acknowledge the hardship of parenthood, like it's really, really hard hard there's just a lot that parents carry and there's like I said like a lot of responsibility and it's just like a lot in the day-to-day and it's it's hard and so I want it like and there was no time for practice either we just kind of like uh, like sometimes I'm just like okay can we just make this whole thing a big practice round and now we'll start the real thing oh my gosh I feel that way all the time I'm like can I do this all over again yeah. can I try now I learned so much at this point now I want to try again right. yeah wow so yeah so so I think that it's first of all just acknowledging that all of us all of us struggle like I think that we think and this is a another reason why I didn't like my posts is that we look sometimes at parenting coaches or experts and we think like they have it together. They know what they're doing. They have, nobody has it together. No one knows what they're doing. We're all struggling. We're all in this together. So I guess there's a sense of like a a lack of aloneness or, you know, that we're, we're all struggling. We're all having a hard time. Parenting is hard. And then the other thing I think is to, to recognize that I mean, there's so, so many ways I can, directions I can go with this. I'm not really sure which way, which way to go or what to say that could be so most empowering, empowering for parents. But I think I would say this rather than focusing on like, I need to do this and I need to do that. And this is the right way to parent. And this is how I should do it. And I heard so many things on this podcast. And like, if I was that kind of parent and I'd be a good parent, which creates so much pressure in our bodies. I much prefer if a parent actually turned inward inside themselves and was like, how can I meet my own needs, meet my children's needs? For me, I think that brings us back to a real, like to centeredness within ourselves of like, this situation is all about just how do I meet my child's need in this moment? How do I meet my needs as best as I can? Because we can't do it very well. And there's a lot of needs to meet, but I think to bring us back to like, yeah, I don't know, for me, it's a very grounding sentiment. Instead of getting lost in all the, like, I need to do this and I need to do that. It's just like, no, in this moment right now, how can I meet my child's need while also honoring my own need? And if I think that sometimes that's a very, yeah, like, like I said, a very clear and simple message to go back to. What an incredible message and an incredible privilege to have you on the Empowered Jewish Living podcast. Where could people find more of your wisdom and guidance? Yeah, so I have, like I said, you said the Unconditional Parenting account, which is, by the way, after Alfie Cohen, his book is called Unconditional Parenting. Um, and, and so that's my account. And I share content there all the time. I'm also on WhatsApp for people who don't have Instagram. I share my status. 
Um, I recently joined a platform called JTime where I'm also going to be sharing. It's for Jewish women um, where I'll be sharing also like every three weeks, I'm sharing a little episode about wisdom about parenting that I have or that I know or that I think I know um and then I also have a website and on there you can see my courses and what I have available there um did I miss anything I don't think oh and I coach parents obviously one-on-one yeah thank you so much thank you for your time this was awesome I feel like a better parent you know and especially because my kids are not home so I could just revel in this for a few hours until they get home (laughs) Um, but thank you again. We really appreciate your thank time you and your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to rabbishlomo.com for more great content and resources and to connect directly with me.